Hello everybody, welcome back to the Glory Glory Mind Night Podcast. I'm your host as always, Kyle Quinn, and joining me today is my regular co-host, Brish. How's it going, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, yourself? Yeah, not too bad after United's run of form in 2024. Um, so first of all, we're going to talk about the, the, the Luton game and the contrasting ind- individual performances in that game. Um, and then we're going to move on to talking about the director news with Dan Ashworth and Jason Wilcox. And then I'm going to talk about some news that came out today around the summer transfer window and FFP. So, first of all, Bruce, what did you make of the performance against Luton? It was pretty chaotic, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, we're going to sound like we're repeating ourselves, but, you know, there was an air of Groundhog Day about the whole thing. Uh, we started off on absolute fire, uh, you know, seven minutes in, two-goal lead. Uh, at that stage, we're probably thinking, what, is it going to be six, seven, you know? Um, and then slowly we start to deteriorate. We let the opposition back in. Um, it's quite familiar this season. Uh, games that we should see off, we're not killing teams off. Uh, I was quite pleased with the amount of chances created. I wish we could actually put them away. Um, Hoyland, uh, what a performance by the young man. Uh, instinctive strikers finish for the first one and the second one I totally think he meant it as well Um, very instinctive Um, you know it was just an intuitive thing he reacted uh, and brilliant finish brilliant finish yeah even I was starting to think that this was going to be five or six from United you know um, and we should think like that going to nil up after seven minutes absolutely Uh, well, we should have known. <laughs> we should have known better. Um, yeah, uh, what a start of the game by Hoyland. Um, you know, gambling and the mistake by Bale, and he latches on to it, takes it around the goalkeeper and puts it in with power, giving no chance for a defender to get back, which unfortunately Garnacho and Bruno didn't do in the second half when they were one-on-one. They went, they, both of them went round the keeper and didn't score. Yeah, I'll tell you what, the, the first one for Bruno, I mean, oh, I just I wish he'd looked up. If he had looked up, then maybe he could have tried the chip. Um, but a very good recovery, though, by Lokonga. Um, and I wonder if having seen Bruno miss his chance, that's why Garnacho kind of um, second-guessed himself a bit. Because, you know, I saw that again, and he just wanted to make sure, basically, that he got off the perfect shot and maybe took one touch too many. Yeah, um, Hoyland's the one I trust one-on-one at the moment. Uh, Garnacho, not so much. Um, he's fluffed a few one-on-ones ever since he he scored slash didn't score at the Emirates. Um, mm-hmm. and since then, any one-on-one he's had, he hasn't put it away. Um, yeah, a bit frustrating that we didn't you know, put the, put the game beyond Luton when we had numerous chances to do so. Um, but what a sloppy goal to give away. Once oh, again, Dallow. F- dreadful. Feeling to cut out the cross. Um, Ferran being turned by T. Heath Chong. And obviously, got, Luton got a bit of luck with the deflected shot. Uh, and then Onana. What more did you just say about that, man? I mean, that is just... Honestly, absolute liability. It looks worse on the replay. Like, literally, he just jumps in the air as if he's trying to take flight and flaps his arms about. He's trying a Schmeichel starfish and he's just <laughs> made an absolute mug out of himself because all he did Absolutely. really was jump, jump over the ball. Like, yeah, yeah it, just, it looked utterly ridiculous, didn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, it's, oh, it's proper liability. Um, yeah, what, what, what can I say? We can never rest when we give away needless goals. 
No, um, let them straight back into the game. And I was after 14 minutes. And remarkably, there was no more goes after that, even though it yeah. was end-to-end stuff. Uh, and once again, we were hampered by Luke Shaw having to go off early. Uh, perhaps yep. he shouldn't have started this game. Uh, and, and again, and again, they, it highlights the ridiculousness of the decision in January to uh, cut short Regulon's loan. Uh, we, we know that he's no world beater, but you know, uh, we, we questioned why we would send him back at the time. Uh, due to a lack of uh, strength and depth, and it's showing now. Yeah, there's no way we can... If Shaw's going to be out for a few weeks, there's no way we can persist with uh, Lindelof or Amrabat at left-back. That's Exactly. Like... And nobody knows what the hell's happened to Malassia. Uh, the only other one in the academy is Amas, who's about 16. You're the kid from Watford. Um... Yeah, yeah. We might have to give him a go now, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> we'll be chucking him in at the deep end, wouldn't we? Just, uh, I think it's, it's too young, personally. I I think it's absolutely vitally important. And I think Ten Hag will agree with me that you need to have a left-footed player at left-back. Otherwise, yeah. it's it's going to be really awkward and unorthodox. And Lindelof is atrocious again. But to me, Lindelof's not good enough in his own position, never mind a left-back. Exactly. Uh, we just about make do of him in his preferred position as a backup option, let alone at left-back or right-back. He's going to have to try something else. Um, I'm hoping that 1B may be able to come back in and Dalo can switch to left-back. Because this is <laughs> in terms of wild takes, I've heard a few people call for for Anthony at left back. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see people haven't lost their sense of humour. Uh-huh, uh huh. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything more than that. Uh, that's a bit wild. <laughs> um, yeah, we need to do something different than Lindelof. Could you imagine Lindelof playing left back at the Etihad? <laughs> Uh, I'd rather not. I'd rather not. Try to take it one game at a time. But um, yeah. yeah, I think we could get away with it against Fulham at Old Trafford. But I- I'll tell you what really concerned me in this game, though, Kyle. Like, not only did we, uh, you know, not really capitalize on the chances that we had, uh, the way we got overran in midfield uh, was a real concern. Uh, no disrespect to Luton, but it's Luton. You know, uh, you'd you'd expect us to put up more of a fight in the middle of the park. Um, yeah, and it just it was non-existent. I thought Bruno was very poor um, late on in the game, especially for the last twenty minutes or so. I thought uh, I was surprised actually. I thought maybe Ericsson would come on um, at half time. I wasn't surprised by that there was a change. Uh, Casemiro booked up a booked up a yellow again, um, and very lucky to stay on as well. I think uh, in the first half because uh, he looked as if you know he, he definitely could have seen red. Um, McTominay came on, and then with Scotty, I'll tell you what. Late on in games, when you want to go, yeah, you bring him on and, and you know, he can bomb forward and he does that Fellaini role. But in terms of giving balance to the midfield, I don't think he offers very much. Yeah, totally agree. Um, now, I thought Casemiro's first yellow was a bit harsh. Yeah. But the he should have got uh, a yellow for that lunge on Barkley, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, got away uh, with it. I'll tell you what yellow. I thought was ridiculous as well. Uh, the, the yellow card for Maynard. Maynard got the ball. Oh, I mean, that was the cleanest <laughs> tackle I've seen all season. <laughs> Maynard got the ball and, yeah, the audacity. Oh, and he got yellow for that as well. <laughs> Again, that just highlights how poor these referees are. In yeah. Um, but just looking at some stats regarding uh, Casemiro, it's a bit concerning. Um, 
United allowed Luton 72 transition opportunities. 72. Um, the third highest total for a team in a Premier League game this season. Casemiro's level and team structure a factor. He has been dribbled past 2.9 times per 90 in this season. The second most for Premier League players. Yep. Up from 2.08 last term. Uh, so... I had been saying recently that he's looked a wee bit more like his old self, but uh, he, on Sunday against Luton, it was, a, it was a return to the Casemiro from a, the first three months of the season, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Definitely. He's he's starting to look a bit off the pace, and then when he, when he gets dribbled past, he lunges in, yep. and he goes through the back of people. Um, I, I think uh, the legs are starting to go at part. this level. I think his legs are starting to go at this level, Carl, especially with the physicality and the speed of the Premier League. Yeah, um, there's times he looks wonderful on the ball, and yep. when he, but the number of times that he slides in and wins the ball are all all too few these days. Mm-hmm. And he usually gives a foul away, gets booked, uh, and Ten Hag. It was an obvious thing to do to take him off at half time, and Maguire was on a yellow too. Um, he took somebody down on the edge of the box and got booked, and um, he was able to bring on Mike Tomlin and Johnny Evans. And, and I have to say, Johnny Evans was excellent in the second half. Oh, he was brilliant. He was brilliant um, when he came on. He uh, got a total of 10 clearances, and that was double more than any other player on the pitch, um, which didn't surprise me. He was even bombing forward at one point for one of our counterattacks, <laughs> looking to get on the end of it <laughs> at 36 years old. Um, yeah. If I if I didn't know any better, <laughs> looking at the way he's playing, I'd say he was playing for a new contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, nothing's impossible as a rotational option. It, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, I see he recently has done the Manchester United official podcast, podcast, which of course is hosted by his wife. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's been interviewed by his own wife there. Um, but yeah, he was smashing when he came on. And as you say, McTominay, if he doesn't deliver a goal, he doesn't deliver anything really. And yeah, doesn't offer yeah. balance to the team. Yeah, that's the thing. And then honestly, you look at Ericsson and you think, oh, if you were a couple of years younger, you know, you, you would have been a very useful piece in this team. But again, he's another one who come summertime, we need to move on. Didn't even use him. Uh, yeah. I knew that with us winning the game, his final sub was going to be Amrabat for a forward. Mm-hmm. And and it was Hoyland that came off and yeah, I just I just never know if that's a good idea or a bad idea when Ten Hag does that because you're yeah. inviting pressure, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. You're basically telling the opposition that you shot up shot, basically. And I have to like obviously Hoyland's goals take the headlines, but it yeah. was a complete performance by a centre forward in that game. His hold up play and his distribution, hold up play was very well. very good, very good. And yeah, and in the finishes and stuff as well, you can see that this is a young player who's now growing in confidence. He's brilliant. Yeah, the improvisation from that Garnacho slice was was brilliant. Yeah, because um, yeah, at first glance, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it was just luck, so I, I had to replay it a few times. And tonight, he absolutely meant that. He absolutely meant that. Yeah, he did. I never considered that he didn't. I think somebody in the CEO yeah. thought it was a fluke, but uh, as soon as I saw it, I knew that he meant it. Yeah, uh, and he said so himself after the game, and I and I believe him on that. Um, 
he had a chance for Hattrick. I think he was one on one as well. Um, mm-hmm. Only about six yards out, and the keeper made a good save. But you know, he really should put that away. Yeah, yeah so many missed yeah, chances. I thought the keeper had a but... decent game actually. Uh, Kaminsky, you made some key saves. At yeah, but we made it easy for him. We should have been burying <laughs> those chances. We really should have. We really should have. Yeah, and Garnacho and Bruno obviously guilty of that. I thought yeah. you, you touched on it already, but I thought Bruno is one of his worst performances. Yes, yes. Even before the, the, you know, even before the chance that he should have buried, like just decision making. Oh, I think it was in the first half. There was one ball that he overhit to Garnacho, and he just had all the time and space. And you're just like, oh, why? You know, from from, from he, one of our senior find... players. I I'm struggling to remember a occasion where he found. The team yet with a single pass. Mm. It, was, it really was. I'm sure he did, but it was uh, few and far between. Uh, there was one occasion that was highlighted uh, to, at the end of the game where he's down uh, Luton's, you know, he's down at our left wing, you know, Luton, mm-hmm. uh, Luton's right back area. And he has, there's six white shirts in space. He has also has the option of taking the ball to the corner and he shoots straight at the goalkeeper and 58 seconds later Ross Barkley is hitting our crossbar that was complete nonsense from our captain mm-hmm. uh, absolutely he, that was that was really oh, that, you know a proper heart attack moment as well with that header from Barkley yeah and it would have been Bruno's fault had that went in because yeah yeah he should have managed the game more better than that as our captain mm-hmm. you know you either take the ball to the corner or you find a man in space you don't take a needless shot on goal from a tight and, angle. And I'll tell you what, it's a real shame Mason Mount's out um, because, you know, this would have been a good time to take Bruno out of the limelight and give give Mason a run in the 10. Well, I was saying exactly that on, on Sunday night, that I would like to see Mount get five games in a row uh, in, in the number 10 position and, and yep. let Bruno be a bench player for a while. But mm-hmm. um, some of the feed, feedback I got... Uh, was realistic in that well, number one, Tin Hag just won't do that. Bruno will play yeah. every single game and won't be taken off. And, and secondly, can Mason Mount even last five games without getting injured? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, we don't even know, do we? I, I mean, you know, I had this discussion earlier in the week with one or two people um, where they were talking about is Mason Mount a flop? And I was like, well, even if you were to deem him a flop, he would have to play first, you know? Like, I don't think we've seen enough of him to even make a judgment. Yeah, I, I've got to be honest. Uh, since since there was a, a period there, let's say, in the month of January, I completely forgot he was even at United. That's that's where we're at <laughs> at the moment. Um, it's been such a long time since he played. And he said, yeah. I think he's had three long-term absences already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look at that investment and, you know, you think, and we spoke about it last uh, summer that we could have got it for free this year. 60 million. Could have been better spent elsewhere. Definitely. Uh, And and if we kept ahead, you know, and didn't buy Onana, then we would have had, you know, was it... Uh, over a hundred million to, to spend in other areas. That, that yeah, yeah, origin. yeah. Forty-seven million we spent on Anana, uh, and in comparison, Inter Milan went and uh, replaced him with Jan Sommer from Bayern Munich for about six million. Yeah, and they got Anana for free. Yep, and, well, and so they got Anana really for free, off. and they got Anana for free uh, just the, the previous year. Yeah, once again, uh, reminding us what 
a poor piece of business that was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when he, when he comes off his line, he gets nowhere near the ball. And then when because his confidence has been shot by not making you know crosses, then he doesn't come off his line most mm-hmm. of the time, and he, he's rooted to his line when he should the, be coming the, and dominating the only thing, area. Yeah, the only thing I will say, Carl. Obviously, we've had a lot of changes in the in the defense, right? Uh, for me, the back five is the place where I like to see the least amount of rotation in a squad. Um, and I would like to see him play with a settled back four. But even then, like we've seen the best and worst of this keeper. Unfortunately, he'll always have a mistake in him. He's, he's just one of those. Yeah, I think we we talked about this even before he, he had played a single game for United. And yeah, said, yeah, yeah, because I was uh, concerned. <laughs> You said that's his profile, and that's yeah, exactly yeah. how it's turned out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I saw this at uh, Ajax. Because I actually, at the time, when he was out of contract, I actually thought, you know what? I wouldn't mind picking this guy up for free. Give uh, Dave a bit of competition and just have him on the bench or loan him out or something. Um, but yeah, I didn't think we would drop the kind of money that we did on him. And yeah, I thought a lot of people were getting uh, a bit ahead of themselves based on that one performance in the Champions League final. But if you saw him throughout the season, like, yeah, you know, he, he's got it, got, it, got it in his game to just do stupid things. Like, honestly, sometimes you see him and you just don't even think he's a goalkeeper. Yeah. I've, I've said this before. Um, sometimes he gives me the impression of a midfielder who's been asked to go and go because there's been a few <laughs> yeah. injuries in the goalkeeping department. And he just looks so awkward. Uh, yep. And even we thought that we are going to get this master distributor yeah yeah it's not really happened yeah <laughs> I, I, and people call me old school but yeah you know for me like it's all about goalkeeper fundamentals i like the fundamental principles of being a goalkeeper first be- uh, before everything else all this distribution and playing out from the back and all this stuff can all wait yeah we might have to recent dave in the summer <laughs> I mean, he's still a free agent, isn't he? I think that ship sailed. I don't think he'd want to come back to us. But um, I am surprised, though, that he's not gone anywhere else at this stage. I definitely expected him to find a club by now. Yeah, we're going to have to rely on Dan Ashworth looking at his enormous database and find us a bargain somewhere in Europe. Yeah, uh, oh, because... we'll have to come to that when he gets to the Dan Ashworth seg- segment. Uh, are we there now? <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I want to come on to Kobe Minu. He has to get a special mention. What a what a brilliant, breathtaking brilliant performance. performance. Obviously, Hoyland's going to get all the plaudits because of the goals. But yeah, Minu again, you know, uh, mature beyond his years. Um, and he also gives me the impression that we can play him further forward. You know, um, I don't think he has to sit as deep as he is. I think he's got a future uh, a bit further forward in the game. But obviously, that depends going forward who we bring in and how the midfield looks. But yeah, very very talented young man. He is just so brilliant with his feet. Yeah. Majestic is what I'd call it. And I'll tell you what, if Gareth yeah, Southgate is so... smart, <laughs> he'll call him up before Ghana come knocking. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Ian Wright's leading the, the charge on that one. Um, <laughs> as an England fan, I'm not an England fan, obviously, but if yeah. I was, I'd, I'd want to see a midfield of Manu, Rice and Bellingham. That would be yeah. 
probably the best midfield in at the Euros. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. No one South Kerry will pick Calvin Phillips. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, <laughs> based on what we've seen recently. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you can never put it past Gareth, can you? Because he does like his faves. Maguire's probably been worse. Yeah, Maguire's probably been worse for him than Phillips at the minute, and he still picked him. So yeah. uh, don't be surprised. Yeah. Um. But to, to think that uh, Casemiro was thirty-two, Bruno was twenty-nine, and at eighteen years old, Menu is our most composed midfielder. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, uh, we I need to break that, that gap. You know, we I don't need know to if look that's at. A, Sorry. Is go that on. more of a compliment of Kobe, uh... or is that? Or a reflection on uh, Bruno and, and Casemiro? Probably a bit of both, isn't it? Probably a bit of both. I think he's mature beyond his years. Uh, the other one, uh, our captain, I mean, you know, he's quite petulant. <laughs> um, yeah. Per- personally, for me, I think we talked about it before. I mean, my, my choice for captain probably would have been uh, um, Lissandro Martinez, uh, but he's been out of the team anyway. So, you know. Yeah. We're going to have to look at that again in the summer. I. I even have a mate who's now calling for Harry Maguire to be re- reinstalled as captain. That's how mm. fed up he is with Bruno. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. And, and I have to say, I was so pissed off with Bruno's performance. I was getting yeah. really agitated with some of his decision-making. I know, yeah. no way sometimes during games when you're emotional and you're mm-hmm. stressed because you're only 2-1 up and your captain's constantly giving the ball away and it angers you. You know, that's the way I was feeling during the game. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell I mean, you what, I think uh, there's a little bit of uh, he's quite comfortable, isn't he? Knowing that he's not going to get subbed off, like because there's nobody else either really there as direct competition for him. Yeah, that's why I think that a wee spell on the bench might do him good. Yeah, this is this is what got me thinking about Mason Mount. If, if Mason was available, this would have been perfect. But you know, uh, there's no one else really there to to contest that position with him. Uh, I've seen, I've heard one or two people talk about Ahmad potentially, but I mean Ahmad can't even get minutes in his preferred position, let alone in the ten. Yeah, I mean, I know we mention this every week now, and he still hasn't made an appearance since Forest. Yeah, uh, it's unbelievable. But I mean, if Anthony's not getting on, then Ahmad's not getting on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I wouldn't feel comfortable just throwing him in at, at the ten anyway because it's not a position that he's, you know, accustomed to like that. Yeah, I think it's more likely that he's going to come on on the right. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't know when that's going to be. Um, so I'm going to do some Plarians now. And they're extremely contrasting, these. Um, <laughs> Onana, a four. Dallow, a three. Baran, a five. And lucky to get it. Um, Maguire, a five for his 45 minutes. Shaw, likewise. Casemiro a four for his forty-five minutes. Menu gets an eight. Um, Bruno a zero, and Rashford a one. Um, I just want to mention that actually. If you've yeah. seen the viral video of Ross Barkley walking around Rashford and Rashford, Rashford putting in zero effort mm-hmm. and to press him, um, I, I just I'm not even surprised anymore. Um, now I remember I watched this live and and it was showing my frustration but it's been shared you know millions of times now online and i've watched it back a lot of times and you just can't like i would say i can't believe it but i can't because it's rashford that someone yeah. we're, we're, we're we're deep into stoppage time we're leading 
by just a goal. And he just allows a midfielder to walk past him. And he does a wee pretend jog. Mm. And you're like, are you serious? Are you serious? You're being paid 300 grand a week and you can't even get into a jog uh, to prevent Barkley getting further forward. I just, it's a joke. It's an absolute I was joke. very lucky not to get booked as well because he reacted to this one thing, um, which was just needless. Um, I think a player pushed into him and then he took it out on the player in front of him. Um, yeah, yeah, just all, all around very, very poor, very poor. Yeah, really poor. And he was so Bruno was zero, Rashford a one, Garnacho gets a five. Now, that's because now it looks bad because he's not finishing his chances, mm. but he's getting into the positions. Yeah, uh, for me, I always take his age into consideration. I actually didn't think he was that bad, to be honest. I was just, you know, I thought obviously he was very unlucky that he didn't take his chances. But, you know, I like what I'm seeing from Garnacho. Obviously, we have to remember his age. Um, and as the game went on, I yeah, you know, you switched over to the to the left. But, you know, you, you need to manage his minutes. Um, I thought it would have been a nice chance for Ahmad to come on, actually, if anything. At 19, he's going to have peaks and troughs. Yeah. Um, there's going to be games where he's, he's unbelievable and then games where yep. he misses everything. Uh, and we have to accept that. Uh, obviously, yeah. we hope by the time he's, he's 22, he's a complete player. But mm-hmm. uh, we have to be patient with him when he has games like this and, and don't get you know, carried away. Let's not turn into rants and bounce and say, he ain't it, bruv. He ain't it, bruv. Um, <laughs> because that's absolute bollocks. Um, so, and Hoyland gets an, a 9 out of 10 uh, for me in the complete centre-forward performance. Uh, and there were three... Early substitutions, which were uh, enforced, basically. Uh, Lindelof gets a two for an, another dire yeah. left-back performance. He did not prevent a single cross coming in, and, and nor did I expect him to. Yeah, and he offers uh, nothing going forward. No, <laughs> nothing at all. It just stunts yeah. all of our attacks down that side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a proper throwback to, like, the 90s when, you know, if you weren't a if you weren't a wing back, you you know that the old school one just never saw anything beyond the halfway line ever. Ah. Yeah, you're just asking him to do a job that he cannot do. Yeah, he just and... can't do it. He just can't do it. Honestly, for the life of me, I would not understand why we cut short Regulon's loan. It made no sense. Like who who in the medical department was saying, "Oh, you know what? We're we're expecting Malassia back." Like, did that conversation happen? Yeah, and that's that hasn't materialised. Yeah, exactly. Like without, yeah, without those assurances, it was so silly to give him away. And and even if Malasia was back in training this week, he cannot mm. start against Fulham because exactly. he has no match fitness whatsoever. Yep, and the only other kid we had, Alvaro, uh, we shipped him off to Benfica. Yeah, Ten Hag's going to have to get creative uh, if Luke Shaw is going to be unavailable for a while because yeah. he cannot continue with Lindelof. No. Yes. So Johnny Evans gets an eight out of ten for me, um, for the reasons I touched on, and McTominay, I'll give him a, an average six for a second half performance. Um, didn't get the goal that we hoped he would get. What I was saying at half time is, mm. I hope McTominay gets his ninth goal of the season here and puts this game to bed, but uh, he didn't manage to do so. Uh, Amrabat came on very late in the game, and yeah. Tin Hag. Got the points despite a chaotic performance, so I'll say a six out of ten. Mm. And so I'm going to 
move on to the second part of the show, which is uh, the big news in the last week or so about um, Dan Ashworth um, w- telling Newcastle that he wants to leave, he wants to join Man United. They have placed him on gardening leave. And in order to get him to cut that gardening leave short, United need to pay Newcastle a reported 20 million. Um, and if United don't pay them anything, then he will sit on gardening leave until January 2026, which is ludicrous. Um, but I do anticipate that they're going to come to a compromise at some point and and Ashworth will end up at United at some point this year. Uh, how do you see it, Brush? Yeah, pretty much the same. Uh, obviously, when I heard of the quotes of 20 million, I was flabbergasted. Um, I think under the Ed Woodward regime, we probably would have paid it uh, blindly. Um, I'm glad that we haven't done that this time. And we're like, you know, going to the negotiating table. Um, obviously, with FFP and all of that in mind, Newcastle can't really afford to just not use them and leave them on, or, uh, you know, pay them on gardening leave for the next two years almost so it doesn't make sense surely they can come to a compromise did you hear according to there's a lot of reports coming out uh, of course and um, you know i've never heard such a big deal made out of uh director of football yes know, going from one club to another only when it involves you only when it only when it involves united and only with us will you hear the the, the fees involved and the, that's splashed all over the place uh but the fee in itself is ridiculous I mean, you know, we've only entered the territory of paying for managers like that in the last decade or or, or so. Um, You know, the first big transfer I remember for a manager with compensation fee was probably Villas-Boas to Chelsea, which at the time was about 12 million. Uh, Since then, we've seen Nagelsmann at Bayern, which was about 25, and Graham Potter and his whole team going to Chelsea for about 20. Uh, Yeah, that kind of figure for, for a director is ridiculous. Uh, so I would absolutely not pay that at all. Uh, if they can get the deal done, I don't know, maybe for about a million to under five, definitely. Everything else is just madness. Newcastle fans are saying it's payback because we quoted them 13 or 14 million loan fee for Jesse Lingard. I don't him. see how the two coincide. <laughs> I don't see how that correlates. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, unexpectedly, they are... Yeah. Well... It is, it is, we do expect that. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, if that's the example they want to give, that shows why we need him, uh, you know, to, 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 to try and ask for 12 to 15 million for Jesse Lingard on loan. Like, you know, obviously we had absolute clowns running the show. What kind of ridiculous fee is that to quote? So, you know, yeah, that highlights why we need somebody like an Ashworth. Even a 6 million loan fee is high for six months. It's, it's ridiculously high. Yeah, yeah. I was laughing at Chelsea last year when they bought in Jao Felix uh, and they paid 10 million for a half season loan. And then this, and then in the summer, we did something similar for, for, for Amrabat. Yeah, I think unsurprisingly, Newcastle fans have been very bitter about this because, yeah, same as City fans whenever the Omar Barada news was announced because they did not anticipate that once they were owned by a state, the Man United were going to come along and steal their directors. Mm-hmm. Um, it just once again highlights that we're Man United and we do what we want. Um, as soon as we get our, we've we've got our house in order now. We've got a proper football operation, and all of a sudden, all the directors are jumping ship and, and want to jo- come to Old Trafford, which is uh, wonderful to see. But and it's great how much piss is boiling at Newcastle and City. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the reports said that 
Newcastle have now basically confiscated his laptop and blocked him from accessing his database. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard about this. I heard he's locked out of the system. Uh, again, it just goes to show that, you know, listen, we just need to play our hand uh, and just hold hold, hold tight. Um, you know, it's like a game of poker at the moment. Um, but yeah, we, we just not. Yeah, we, we can't fold. We can't give in to these silly demands. We need to set precedent now and show that things have changed at Old Trafford and we're not bowing down to anyone and not just, you know, paying ridiculous fees, no matter who it's for. Yeah, uh, I think 10 million is fair. Uh, Even that for me personally, I think that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Yeah, but considering he only joined Newcastle in June 22 uh, and has decided to leave and yeah. he has a contract until 26, I can understand why they don't want to let go one of the most accomplished director footballs in the game to one of their rivals for the Champions League. So I can understand why they're demanding a big fee, but 20 million is absolutely absurd. Yeah. And there's no way United should pay that. I- I'm sure yeah. they'll come to some sort of uh, agreement, though. I'm sure they'll hash out a deal. Yeah. And yeah, Newcastle now will want to present you know a big fee now that they can say to their fans you know and see a face. Uh, so I imagine it's going to be over ten, but well under twenty somewhere, and it'll be done by the summer, I think. And there's no way Newcastle want to pay him his full wage for another two years. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Exactly that's what I mean. They'll have to bring in a replacement and that anyway. And you know FFP looms for everyone. Yeah. A compromise will be met. There's no doubt about that. It mm-hmm. may take a few months, but that, it will happen. Um, so Jason Wilcox, the director of football at Southampton currently, and he was also the director of Man City's academy. Uh, everybody will remember him being a player at Leeds and a player at Man City. Um, and at Blackburn. And Blackburn, of course, yes. Um, won the league at Blackburn, didn't he? Yes, yeah, him and Graham Lasso down the left-hand side. Um. And he seems to be a well-respected, you know, football analyst. Uh, and he's supposedly going to come in and work underneath Dan Ashworth. So United mm-hmm. seem to be putting together quite a quite a team now. Imagine football people in football roles. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought? Hey, eh? yeah, they're, yeah, they're moving and shaking, man. It's uh, it's lovely to see. It's lovely to see that we're we're putting these ingredients together. Should have been that way a very long time ago, but hey. Better late than never. And it shows that all those people online that tried to claim that Jim Radcliffe was just another Glazer were talking absolute trash. Yeah, yeah. And the people trying to make comparisons between us and Nice and what he's done at Nice. I mean, I don't know a lot about Nice, uh, but I understand that different clubs operate differently. And I don't know what their um, ambitions are with Nice, you know. Uh, not everyone takes over every football club and thinks, oh, you know, uh, our ambition here is to, you know, win the league. Yeah, I mean, Nice are, you know, very small in France. Like exactly. I don't think the plan was to go over there and, like, you know, try and overthrow PSG. No, even finishing second would be a great achievement for them. Um, so, I want to talk a little bit about the budget news today in terms of the summer transfer window and James Ducker of the Telegraph he's very good in Man United news very reliable he says United's transfer budget this summer will be severely squeezed 
by FFP restrictions after mm. previous three year get this 555 million outlay on players in the wow. last three years wow and and we will take an even bigger hit if we miss out on Champions League qualification uh, it's going to have to be sell to buy this summer yep uh, and I can I, I can straight away see you know high earners being sold to Saudi Arabia um, like I can easily see Cas- Casemiro and Baran going. Yeah, I can see. I can see uh, McTominay being sold for forty million because there will, given his goals this season, there will be a club in the Premier League willing to pay that. I could see Maguire being sold, um, and a few other players. Anthony, if you can get him off the books, um, mm. um Sancho, Green- Sancho, Greenwood, yeah. Gre- Greenwood, yeah. I yep. think United are looking. Somewhere between thirty and forty million for Greenwood from one mm-hmm. of the La Liga teams. Yeah. Um. And Sancho, unfortunately, his loan spell so far at Dortmund has not been working out, so we mm-hmm. might not get much for him. And uh, we might have to loan him out again, which is yeah. not ideal for anyone really. Um. Uh, if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't perform well between now and the end of the season, and he hasn't been doing so. Dortmund are not going to take him on a permanent basis, I don't think. Yeah, to be honest, I'm not even yeah. sure they could have afforded his wages and stuff, even if he did do well. Um, you know, there would have had to be a, a, a mad compromise anyway. Um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Uh, maybe Saudi will come in, but, you know, I don't know. I don't, he doesn't He doesn't want to go there. He doesn't, uh, yeah. Wow. He, I think he's that, that offer's been on the table already, and he said mm. no, so I, I don't, unless he changes his mind. Um yeah, we really need to do sell well this summer if we're going to uh, bring in a decent amount of players. If we're going yep. to fill the positions where we need players, then we're going to have to sell well. Um, now, if it was the Glazer-Woodwood era, I would say no chance. But now we're going to have different people running the club. We might Wales um, sell and make some decent money this summer. Uh, yeah, I can. I, I, the way things are going, I can see United having a very competent operate operation now, um, with Ashworth and Wilcox and Omar Barada. Um, I I can see a situation where United sell a lot of the high earners, get their wages off the books, and then use the the, the transfer money that we've uh, you know managed to tally up from the sales, and use that wisely in the market and. We might we might go big on a couple of marquee signings, but I can see us doing some shrewd business as well, getting some cheaper signings in. But it is going to be difficult for United to, to do many of those deals because there's always the money in the tax. You know, Brighton can get players for six million, four million, seven million, but United mm-hmm. will not be able to do that. As soon as United come calling, the price will be doubled, tripled. And well, that's so, the thing, though, isn't it, Kyle? I think what we need to do is that when that happens, we need to back away. If you just, you know, uh, start as you mean to go on and refuse to engage in uh, over-exaggerated prices, especially if they're negotiating for less with other teams, then surely, eventually, then, you know, they'll have to, they'll be forced to negotiate with us at the the same price, especially if the player or the agent then indicates that, you know, they're interested in talking to us. And the good thing is that Ashworth will have a, for each position, he'll have a database of multiple players. So if some, if the person at the top of the list is unattainable because 
the the selling club are asking for too much then yeah. just move on to the second one yeah yeah hopefully and and then that's the thing that's the thing because it's a step-by-step -step, uh process with him um you've seen what he's done at brighton you've seen what he's done at newcastle and you know he was working with different budgets of both of those clubs and you can see uh you know the, the kind of players he was picking up so uh this is the next step up from that so yeah hopefully we'll see a mixture of the two uh in terms of the work he did both at Brighton and at Newcastle. Um. Yeah, I was having a look at uh, the signings that have been accredited to him at Brighton and Newcastle, and you can straight away you can see the difference in the fees. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, because at Newcastle, obviously, he's got more of a budget to play around with, right? Um, and the hits, I would say, are probably Isak, um, uh, Sven Botman, um, Liveramento. I thought was a good pickup. I think Kira Trippier came in under him too, yes? It might have been before him, you know. Okay, that might have been before. All right. Um, um, and then... At, Bright at Brighton, just looking at some of the fees here, Moise Cassetto, 4.5 million. Yeah, uh, yeah. Cucurella, 15.4. Trussard, 15. McAllister, 7 million. United would never get that player for 7 yeah, million. Mitoma, I think, was like 2.5 or something. 2.7, yeah. 2.7, yeah. And Lampety was four. Um, and then you see the difference in the budget here. Isaac, 63 million. <laughs> um, Tonali, 55. Gordon, yeah. 45. Barnes, 39. Liveramento, 36. Yeah. And Batman, 35. So okay. he obviously had a lot more money to play yeah. around with there. So I'm hoping that, you know, we can get you know really good players for those types of fees and that's what i mean because he's worked with different budgets as well i'm hoping we get the best of both worlds i want him to be picking up the odd 35 50 million pound player but i also want him to pick up the two three to five to six what what i'm saying is that's going to be impossible for united because as soon as united come calling you know we're not no club is going to sell us anyone for four million I, I, I don't like if we say we went into like the Colombian market, the Ecuadorian market. Brighton will be will be quoted four million. We'll be quoted twelve at least. Uh, so, mm. but even that, even that's good business. But even that me. would still, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's still better than the business we've done in the past. So, mm. yeah, to us, twelve billion is a bargain. If, yeah, if it's a decent player, you know. Yeah, um, considering we spend a lot more and we often don't get anything in return when they leave. So. I'm anticipating that he's gonna he's not gonna be banned players for the fees that he was at Brighton. It's gonna be more no. like what he, the fees at Newcastle. Yeah, probably. Or, probably more, knowing us. Um but you know, the thing is, the less we pay for players and the more players we can sign. And yep. that was the issue last summer. We could only sign three players on a permanent deal because we'd spent so much of the budget on, on those players, you know, 72 million, 16 million and 43 million, whatever it was. Then that And was... listen, under Ten Hag, what is it? Like over 400 million spent. Yeah. And like I just said, there are 555 in the last three. Yeah. 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 yeah, It's ridiculous amounts, ridiculous amounts. And this is where, uh, you know, the structure comes in handy. That's over half a billion since yep. 2021. Yep, and then you look at us, well, and you look at all the things it needs, and you're like, where, where the hell did this money go? Yeah, sure. In, 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 until I, I, maybe Hoyland might have, um, you know, 
pushed the average up a little. But until last summer, it's, I think it was Gary Neville and Jimmy Carragher sat down and went through all their signings in the post-Ferguson mm. era. Mm-hmm. And the success rate was like 7%. Yeah, yeah, it's atrocious. Uh, I mean, listen, not every transfer works out right, but the good, successful clubs, they get it right more often than they do wrong. Um, I think the success rate is probably about 70%, I would say, in the really successful clubs. That's what I was going to say. We need Ashworth to get it up from 7% 7 to 70%. And then we can be <laughs> I, mean, <with> that. <laughs> I mean, if seven percent is where he's starting off, then you know, surely he's going to smash it, right? <laughs> yeah, the only way is up, as the song, yeah, goes. yeah, um, absolutely. And the successes were like Bruno Fernandez and uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And Zlatan was on a free, <laughs> yeah, and. <laughs> In my opinion, Daily Blind was a success. Daily Blind is one of my favourite signings post-Fergie. Yeah, and there was a lot of maybes, and then there was a lot of, you know, definitely yep. weren't, definitely weren't. You know, maybe, in the maybe camp, you'd, I would say, like an Ander Herrera. Yeah, like yeah. Again, it was absolutely criminal that he was allowed to walk out for free. I don't even mind that we wanted to move on from him or whatever, but to let him walk out for free, Absolutely criminal. Same with Pogba. Uh, you know, with a year left on his contract, if you know he's not willing to sign, sell him. Why are you keeping him? Yeah, yeah but uh, Pogba belongs in the flop camp, uh, along mm-hmm. with Sanchez and Di Maria and Schweinsteiger. And... Oh, Alexis Sanchez. Oh, that one hurt me, man. That one hurt me. When I, <laughs> well, I was actually quite excited for him when he arrived. I thought he was going to, you know, uh, do, do, do stuff for us. And yeah. Just absolutely. I don't know what happened to him. Probably one of the quickest declines of a footballer I've ever seen. Yeah. And I also believe that any of us are not fans of signing players at 29-30 on big contracts. Oh, good. Good. And the... Radcliffe is said to be a critic of the, the fee... And the wages paid to Casemiro at 30 years old. Oh, so so was I. Uh, I think we spoke about it at the time, right? <laughs> it didn't make any sense. Like, you know, that you got a manager who identified Frankie de Jong as the one that he wanted. And then in the space of a week, we, we go from links to Frankie to Rabio to Casemiro. And you're like, well, this is a totally different uh, profile of player. It's been well documented that Casemiro is a John Murta signing. And yeah. It will be interesting to see what happens to him. He hasn't been sacked yet. Yeah. Or is he going to be demoted? Mm-hmm. We don't know. Um, I, I mean, listen, abs- he's absolutely quality. He's better than anything that we had at the time and probably still do. Well, actually, Pop Bar Mano. But, you know, it's one of those signings where I was very critical at the time because we basically, um, you know, let Real Madrid balance their books because they bought in Chuamani. Um I think it was for about 100 million at the time, but the sale of you, Casemiro. You said that lot, you said it exactly the same last week when it came to us banning Madic and then banning Bakayoko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Obviously, with that one, Bakayoko didn't work out right in hindsight. Uh, uh, you know, so uh, there's that. But again, yeah, Matic was 29. He was past his best and we spent 40 million on him. Uh, yeah, and then he moved on for free. Again, net spend is important. This is why we're on the wrong side of all of these tables in the red. It's because we don't sell. Yeah, and now we're 
you know, we're on the brink of breaking FOP rules because we've been so shy. That's, that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is why. Uh, look at look at Real Madrid and how they've operated in recent years. Um, and you know they're on the verge of signing Kylian and Mbappe now. And people wonder and look around and go, oh, how can they afford to give him, uh, you know, this massive sign-on fee? Go and look at the business. Go and look at the books over the last five years of what Real Madrid have spent. And that's how. It's because they've done very smart business. They've also sold as well. Uh, you know, they take very few L's. Um, only Eden Hazard I can think of in recent years where it was a big money fee uh, and, you know, it's not worked out. Well, it helps when you've got mugs like Man United who are willing to buy Absolutely, because, you know, when Casemiro deal happened, the net spend on Chouamani went to about 30 million. And now you've got a player in his early 20s who's got the best part of a decade in front of him for that fee. You know? Yeah. Yeah, this is the type of smart business we need to start doing. This is the smart business that we need to do. Yeah, see, Kamavinga, Bellingham, Chouamani. That's the new midfield for them going forward and they've got Valverde as well so it's, just, it's ridiculous um, what a way to move on from Cruz and uh, Modric and they're going to be adding Kylian Mbappe to their uh, team they're going to be adding Mbappe to that mix uh, funny enough I actually don't think he's the best suited to them um, obviously he's a big name signing and fantastic talent so there's no doubt that it's going to work just because the talent will see through right but um, whenever I've seen that Kylian Mbappe play up front he always likes to drift off to the left. Um, I just wonder how that works with Vinny there uh, on the left-hand side. I think personally, I think if I was there, they should have targeted Erling Haaland. I think that would have been a better fit for them. Uh, and I'd say that with no bias, um, although I do want him to leave the Premier League. <laughs> but I've already told you, you know, Vinny's going to come to Old Trafford and Rashford's going to go to PSG. <laughs> Listen, if that happens, <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah, I'm I'm buying you a pint if that happens. So. <laughs> yeah, what a front three that would be. Yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you what though, I have heard these rumors now. So if once the Mbappe thing is um solidified, it will be very interesting to see if PSG uh genuinely are interested in Rashford. If so, then we've got a decision to make. Yeah, because Rashford just looks half arsed. Yeah, it? yeah. And I don't think he's going to get any better, mind you. And he's on big wages. Um, if the opportunity presented itself. Yeah, you take it. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with the FAP concerns, if we offered big, massive money for him in the 80 to 100 million mark, you just have to snap their hands off. Absolutely. Um, another story from James Ducker is that Ineos could surrender their direct day-to-day involvement at, at Nice to remove the threat of United or the French club being unable to play European football under UEFA's multi-club ownership rules. Mm. Radcliffe is expected to hold talks with UEFA before the end of the season. Yeah, but there's an easy way around this because, you know, the the Red Bull clubs have done this. Yeah. And it's where as long as the, the directors are different people, then... That that's that's how you deal with that situation. You know, you can't yeah, have yeah. you can't have Radcliffe and Brailsford being directors of both clubs. But if they appoint no. somebody completely different to run yep. Nice, then they can get away with it. Absolutely, because we've seen this. We've seen uh, this model of multi-club ownership 
Um, and also, uh, Girona is still second in their Liga, in La Liga, I believe. So if they qualify for the Champions League, you'll be interested to see what happens next summer. Because obviously, they're owned by Man City, right? Yeah. And they were brought crashing back down to earth at the Bernabeu uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, was it 4-0 to Real Madrid, I think it was? Yeah, yeah. And that was a reality check. Um, so, yeah, and you know, interesting that Ineos want to have a the multi-club format like so many other you know, groups, like the City mm-hmm. Group, Red Bull, and um, you know, Watford and Udinese, that's another. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so that could work out well for us. You know, we could, we could, you know, sell players to Nice, and we could also get, you know, some of their top talents for reasonable fees as well, like Toribo, mm-hmm. like we've talked about so many times in this. Yeah, podcast. yeah, Kefren Taram as well. Uh, is a very good defensive midfielder, uh, mm-hmm. son of the legendary Lillian. And we could sell them Scott McTominay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it, it it's looking very positive at the moment. Yes, United are unbeaten in 2024. Uh, mostly wins and one draw. Our centre-forward is scoring in every match. He's yep. um, now on the 13 goals for the season. The the new owners are putting the new structure in place. Um, just the only negative at the moment is that United's performances are so chaotic they they do not control games whatsoever and I think that, that especially with our makeshift back four and then off a left back we're going to come unstuck in, in, in the game in the not too distant future and the Etihad is probably the, the, the likely one where we're going to have problems yeah yeah like I say I'm just taking it one game at a time <laughs> Yeah, but it's not too far away now. It's, it's not, no. Uh, who, who have we got next? Um, Fulham. Fulham, then, then Forest in the FA Cup, right? And then City. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I tell you what, um, I'm expecting three points at home to Fulham. Um, not in Forest in the FA Cup. Could be tricky. and We lost her in the mm. league. But to be honest, I remember the game. Forest were not good in that game. No. They were just worse. Um, so, I think what concerns me though, Kyle, is that like like you just said, like you know, when we look at it on paper, the results from January onwards, you know, on paper it's been brilliant, but when you actually analyse how we've gotten here, we're just yeah. getting by. Um, you know, yeah. um, it should be more comfortable, but it's only, not, and we make it difficult for ourselves. Um, the only game we won comfortably is the West Ham. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was a bit of a surprise, to be honest. <laughs> I, I expected a tough game that one. <laughs> But given that they lost six 0 the following week, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was nice, you know. yeah, yeah, it looked quite ordinary after what Arsenal did. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't even beat Newport easily. Yeah, yeah. We we were uh, two each with Newport uh, halfway through the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, we made hard work, but we are getting over the line in all these games, which is the most important thing. Now. Hoyland has scored in every game that he's played since Boxing Day, which is thrilling. Uh, he missed that Forest game, which is probably one of the reasons why we we, we didn't didn't win. So, do I would be conf- reasonably confident that United could get through in the FA Cup against Forest. The only thing that would concern me is the left back situation. That that yeah that is going to concern me in every game now that Luke Shaw is not going to play. Definitely. 
Uh, at the Eddie Had, I have to be honest, I would take a point right now. I'd shake hands in that one. That would feel like, to be honest, that would feel like a win if we got a point in that game. Uh, and then I think after that, we're playing the likes of Everton and Sheffield United at home. So these are more winnable games. So, the, and another thing that's worth mentioning is that the City game is a bit of a free hit in that Villa plays Burge on the same weekend, which, who, of mm-hmm. course, are challenging us for the Champions League spots. So, uh, at least one of those teams is not going to get away from us. If they draw, that would be perfect. So, it's 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 ideal that Spurs play Villa in the same weekend we play Man City. Uh, so, we're not going to fall behind too much uh, if it does too, go well. Uh, yeah, it would still, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, because it would still be within have, our hands. We also have to take into account that fifth place will probably get a Champions League spot. As things stand, I think I, I read somewhere today that as things stand, it wouldn't come to us. It would go to Germany and somewhere else. Uh, the spare spot. Well, I think it would help England's coefficient if City get to the Champions League final and Liverpool get the Europa League final. Ah, uh, yeah, no, that would make me sick. No, I don't want none of that. No. Not, as long as he lose. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of this coefficiency stuff. I'm not a fan of other English clubs getting to finals. Screw them. <laughs> so. Because, you know, when it comes to a final, Carl, absolutely anything can happen in a final. I don't like it. I remember watching that final uh, in Istanbul. <laughs> it's a disgusting yeah. feeling. Uh, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like watching our rivals in finals. Oh, to be honest, I if Liverpool win the Europa League, I don't care, to be honest. It doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. I mean, I mean we can just say a Mickey Mouse trophy and, and that's it, you know. <laughs> but obviously, winning the Champions League is completely different. That's something they don't want it, it's to still, do. It's still a European honour at the end of the day, so, yeah, no, no thank you. Don't. But uh, if we're in fifth after 38 games, you'll be glad that they got to the final. <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, you get what you deserve come the end of the season. So, yeah, if it's meant to be, then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll the table will reflect it. That the fact that will affect our summer budget as well. It's very, very yeah, important. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. Uh, that's yeah, that's why it's imperative to qualify for these competitions. But yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. Um, but yeah, like you said, we have to be a bit clever in the summer as well, uh, with the changes that we make. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely see, uh, see it happening where we start getting rid of the, the high earners and the aging players yeah don't be surprised if a big offer comes in for bruno and any of us think about it yeah yeah that wouldn't surprise me i think this summer would probably be the last chance you get to really cash in on him uh he turns 30 in september yeah yeah uh, and he's not he's not doing it at the moment um, he's on big wages and yep. this is the last chance to get a big fee for him so let's wait and see let's yeah see yeah him. we'll also have to see what their plans are for Mason Mount because you know if he can ever get fully fit they may see him as the you know the, the future yeah but that can't happen if he's going to be injured all the time obviously. no absolutely not I think but the I'm... concerning thing is is that the last year at Chelsea he was injured a lot as well he was, yeah, that's true. You know, I'd love to see it work out for him because I think he's a good player. He's a nice lad. Yeah. Um, I would hate to, hate for him to end up with a a Kian Dyer career at Old Trafford or 
a Dan Anderton career, you know, where he just mm-hmm. spends most of the time on the treatment table. Yeah. Because um, that doesn't suit anyone. Because it's, no. it's a it's a waste of money for us, and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's devastating for him, you know, to to be sitting on the sidelines like like Phil Jones and, and not playing. It. I'm sure it really affects. You know, people say, oh, he can just look at his bank balance and he'll feel happy, but you know. When you're not doing the job you love, you become depressed, and it doesn't matter how much money you have. That's Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I do think he'll be given the time and chance, though. He will have ample opportunity. Um, you know, the fact that he's, you know, he's homegrown as well, he's English, he feels, he, you know, he feels a certain need. You know, you need to have a certain number as well in it for the quota for Europe. Um, so, you know, all that will come in handy as well. Uh, but yeah, yeah, uh, we'll have to just give it time and see how he does. Yeah, it'd be nice for him if, in, like, as Tin Hag says, every game's a cup final now between now and the end of the season. Yeah. It'd be nice if he got the winning goal in one of these cup finals between now and the end mm-hmm. of the season. Or a big goal at Wembley or something. Something to kickstart his United career. Absolutely. Uh, so we shall leave it there. If everyone could please like the video, subscribe to the channel and get more of your comments in. And keep listening on Apple and Spotify and give us a five-star rating. And... I shall see you again next time, Rush. Yep, it's been a pleasure. Take care.